0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. I'm your host Mel. Maddie, how you doing this evening, love? I'm
1: doing good. How you doing? Dweeting
0: like a sinner in church, but other than that, I am fantastic because tonight we have joining us, owner and founder of Happy Horrors Production, my girl, author, director, producer, and actor, Lauren Malloy. Lauren, Lauren, how you doing today, honey? Oh, I'm doing good, but I feel like Persephone trying to chase Hades around hell right now. It's way too damn hot. But otherwise, I'm great. (laughs) Seriously, like when you walk outside in the first place, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we should not be getting bit shot by heat. I mean, I know it's summer and everything, but there could be like radiations here instead of just like... Rain, thunder, extensive heat. Rain, thunder, extensive heat. Let's stop this pattern. (laughs) Nice breeze, (laughs) very good. (laughs) Seriously, like Mother Nature has just been downright disrespectful for like the last two weeks. And I'm like over it. I'm ready for winter. I keep saying, I don't know what you're pissed about, but I'm sorry for everyone that you're pissed at. (laughs) Can we just fix this? (laughs) Like seriously, we can take the cold temperatures. We don't need the snow. But as long as it gets below my age, I'll be all right for a couple of weeks. <laughs> it was 101 or something in New York today, depending yeah. where
1: we were. It <laughs> was here at 103.
0: Yeah, no. That's the temperature Arizona should be getting, which right now I think they have like 130 or something crazy because they got family over there.
1: So, like, yeah. you know...
0: I'm complaining While they're going Would you like to see What would happen If I stepped outside Just scorched You know Yes, It's so hot The only thing I can picture Is that scene From Terminator 2 Where she's standing Against the chain link fence And yeah. like everything Just kind of Explodes Melted. with the heat And melts yeah, yeah That's all I've been Thinking of Every time I step Foot outside, bag. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) I keep thinking of, like, the charred guy that smokes cigarettes from Beetlejuice, except, like, if it was from the sun instead because he's completely charred and, like, twitching, I'd be like, that's what it feels like going outside. I feel your pain, bro. I feel your pain. (laughs) Right? Especially with, like, anybody who takes light-sensitive medication like I do, all of a sudden you're like... Okay, I understand why people had parasols, I, I have a big floppy hat, don't look at me straight, now I have aviators, a big floppy hat, and a face mask, oh boy, nobody can tell what I'm doing. <laughs> like, like, it's so good today, like, we, we went to the store real quick this morning to grab a couple of things before it got, like, really excessive, and there's this guy checking down on the road on his 10 speed with, a, with an umbrella. Like, trying to balance holding the umbrella and r- riding his bike at the same time, just trying to stay shaded to get to where he needed to go. It's like... Re- That's excellent. fucking dedication. That's dedication. That's you, balancing. I was like... Before I did that.
1: He was on a bicycle with an umbrella? He was
0: on a bicycle with an umbrella
1: I, trying to shade himself. I, I think
0: I have an idea. I think
1: I, I think I have an idea where he was going. I think I have an idea where he was going, though. Mel.
0: Probably to the local crack house, no, in my neighborhood. But like, who knows?
1: The was pretty
0: <laughs> uh, like so. good <laughs> Yeah, had a Dunkin' Donuts on his tenth feet, so he had no hands available. By the time he was heading home, he's like, "I got my knees, I got my shoulders, I'm holding it with one ear. We're good." And I'm going, um am Uber Tasty. What do we call it to say?"
1: I say. 99% oh, of the time you see a, an older person on a bicycle, uh, they're going to either get, put alcohol in their system or uh, find some alcohol to put in their system. That's what I was
0: going to say, maybe going to bingo at the local senior
1: center. Fuck bingo. Get real, man. No, the real.
0: horse races, the, the freaking horse track stores, whatever you call them, all over the place. They're, that's where they're going, half yeah. of them all their
1: little icicles pile up next to the, uh, the
0: bedding <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Well, you've had an exciting year this, this year, Miss, considering, you know, we haven't had any conventions. Your movie, you just came out. Debut movie. Yes, it did. And, yes. both of us have had the opportunity to view it. I, I liked it. I thought it was great. I loved the whole concept of the cannibals.
1: Yes. Uh, I enjoyed it.
0: Yay! Um, What took you from wanting to write your books? Because your books are fantastic. I know you put a lot of research into everything you do. So what kind of research did you put in to making your movie? (laughs) You're right. I do a lot of research. Well, first of all, Yield is about a couple who decides to go hiking in a national forest and discovers a cannibalistic plan that uses the tourists as... Their main food source So they get to have long pig Every time a tourist Walks into their territory So when uh, Nick and Lila go missing Their friends Danny and Leo Go to try to find them In this national forest Having no idea About the cannibals Until they get inside as well I played Betsy Carnigo So I get to chop off A lot of long pig In that movie Which is fun As well as a few other things As you two know But the viewing audience Doesn't know yet But um, That's actually based On something that happened to me And then I just You know horror movie did up. Um, when I was living in Florida, I went to the Acala National Forest, and it turns out not all of it is public property. There are po- places all over the United States called Inland, where because we, you know the United States couldn't get this family, this group out, they literally just left that as private property and built around that. So I didn't know that. I just was Googling for a hiking place, wind up going in and finding like a literal town, like you would see at a Texas Chainsaw or something <laughs> like that, very realistic, with a guy that looked like American Gothic except with a straw hat and a pitchfork, I swear, with blue junglery overalls. I am a jackass that's conditioned, when I make eye contact, as both of you know, because you've met me, I smile and wave. So here I am thinking, gee, this is a weird way to go hiking, I gotta pass it town. okay. I smile and wave and he lets out this like roar Drops his pitchfork and starts chasing my car. Now I hear other roars, I'm not making this up. This shit actually happened. Mm. I am driving, and it's a dead end. So now I got to flip a bitch, is what I call it, yeah. which means you know doing a quick U-turn as fast as possible. Now I got to drive past him again, and now he's chasing me in the other direction, screaming, ranting, going, "I'm gonna get you!" Boo! and he hits his fence, starts punching it, and my car goes flying out. As I get out of there, I find out. Turns out that's private property. Everybody who lives there knows you don't go in there because cops don't go in to deal with anything. So if you don't come out on your own, nobody goes in and gets you. Hmm. That's the so I, <laughs> Yeah. So that's why I always tell people be careful when you go hiking. <laughs> yeah, it's like, from Trans-
1: yeah, like Tester, that's real thing. thing. Like,
0: like the movie like, while watching the movie I kinda like minus you know, the whole Affirmity thing It had a whole feel Of like Watch her knees The hills have eyes
1: Yeah Exactly
0: Because of the way They pursued You know The hikers Exactly but That's what they would do I mean think about it There's no stories About these Severe Rural You know Hillbillies You know Or rednecks Whatever technical term It would be Um you know, in regular or during, like, you stop and shop. Otherwise, it'd be part of, like, have you seen these people at Walmart? So that means these people are literally only living off the land. Yeah. So, yeah, when also going to make them a little off-kilter, too, you know, depending so on... So if nobody's leaving, and it's not saying anything about private because it's a national forest, they don't have to, then, you know... And there's not a lot of animals in National Forest. It's not like, oh, you know, be careful of the wildebeest. You know, it always says things like, you know, you just live in Florida off all of the bears. I mean, that's not what they're doing, obviously. Otherwise, you would have alerts all the time. And they're not living off only bear meat. Otherwise, there would be stories. So people disappear all the time. We always say, hear stories about somebody going hiking and disappearing in woods. And yet nobody wants to think about how many of those places have people living in that live off the land. You think they're going to get care if it's venison or if it's long thick? I don't think they're going to care after 30 years of living there with no cop ever daring to mess with their property because it might be them that gets eaten instead, which is why I got a yield two thing. and yield three coming out.
1: Oh, yeah? sequel. Cool. can uh,
0: argue that.
1: Did you say two and three?
0: Yeah, I got two and three. And I've always planned this. I said to everybody in the very beginning, I'm going to write three books, and then I'm going to make the movie yield. Then I'm going to write another book, which I'm already writing, as well as making other movies at the same time. So I have Toby and Duke take on the cannabis forces, which I got hired for. It's the Toking Dead comic that we're turning into a full-length feature comedy horror movie, as well as The Devil's Lettuce, where uh, three guys wind up breaking their bowl in a cemetery, Smoke weed out of a human skull, get possessed, and start killing people, and then the craziness that happens. So, those two are also in pre production right now. After those are done, I'm planning on doing Yield 2 and possibly Yield 3. Yield 2 is the revenge film where people are like, No, that ate too many people. We're going in, we're taking them down. And Yield 3, I plan on having it be the main. You know origin story of the Carnegie clan, like how did they get the land? How did that fight happen? You know, a long, long time ago, what happened? That will be three because it's going to have to be a time period piece. So, you know, that's going to take a lot more stuff going on. You know, mm-hmm. have any of the cast from Yale have been on for the sequels, or are you going to go with new a new cast to make them seem like they were younger, or? I am going to plan that when we get to those, because at that point, I mean, with everything going on in our world right now, I don't plan anything too far in advance. Sure. I keep working on my stuff and all the details and all location scouting and blah, blah, blah. But when we get to that film, which is going to be three or four years, I'll see where people are if it's even still possible versus possibly having to get a new cast because it just doesn't work the way everything goes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, it would say yes, absolutely. All the ones that survived in the original yield would be in the second one. No problem. But I don't make any decisions with this stuff anymore based on, you know, our whirlwind of life right now.
1: Truth. We need a Melon Maddie cameo in there of some, like, stoners that go into a convenience store and, like, buy bubble gum or something. Something very. I'm going to have to make that happen. Some very Oh, we know. It's going to be.
0: That makes difficult for me to play a stoner because, you know, I don't smoke weed.
1: I picked that for you. I know, you.
0: you're a sober person completely. You're straight edge, for yeah, me. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest there
1: is. That was my trouble. No, you don't, <laughs> mean,
0: you don't need to say anybody orange like me. It's bad when you can't even say something with a straight face because you know you're full of it. Right? And quite honestly, anybody that would have believed that would have been like, oh, I got a bridge for you. You've clearly never met Melissa. <laughs> right? Like, seriously, we honestly needed to send out, like, pamphlets. Listen, if you're going to, like, chill with us, you need to understand, you need to sign this thing. We're not responsible for your ass if you decide to keep
1: going like we go just because of your ego. around. <laughs> When did you two meet not each other? Not everybody can hang with us. When did when did you? <laughs> I'm yeah, because sure. I, I I when I, I met you uh, later in the game on both of you. When did you two meet each other? Way way before we, me and Melissa met, I believe.
0: No, it hasn't been. <laughs> I actually, me and Loren have actually only been friends since 2017. I met her at Scarecon the yep. year I took my dad, and yes. I started chatting yes. to her because Dad was having a conversation with her, and I at the time I was having one with Melissa.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Because talking about death house and then I went over to my dad and he was having a full-blown conversation with her and he's like, oh, you got to come talk to her. She's awesome, blah, blah, blah. And then Your her dad talking and it was history from there. Got
1: yep. The, got the
0: approval. Yep. And they had the table right next to death house and that was the scare con where we got to see the uh, premiere of it with yeah. the and ScareCon in a room, and i like, I think I still have shirt somewhere, and I'm like, we and her dragon stuff, and some this epic mess together, I'm pretty sure that was one of my first ScareCons ever, too. Yeah, that was my second one, but that was the first one that I actually, like, stayed the whole <laughs> entire weekend, and, like, it's, it's, it I remember, we I'm learning. like, just and... keep coming back, come so sit with yes. yes. i got a chair, <laughs> And we did. We kept, we kept switching around all weekend long. We kept bouncing around back and forth to everybody, and it's, it's just it's just better because, like, like I was was gonna say, like, it's a different experience going to a con one day as opposed to staying the whole weekend. Because a lot of the time, the best things that go on are after the convention, hanging out with everybody because everybody's at yeah. ease. Every, you know, everybody's got a couple of drinks in them, so the conversation just starts to flow. Everybody forgets that. You know, so-and-so is one of the celebrity guests that are here this weekend, or, you know, this one's here for this, and this one's here for that. So everybody, you know, after the convention hours, it's, like, all on the same page. Everybody's hanging out, talking, discussing whatever, and it just opens up so many different opportunities for people to, you know, get to know one another and connect and you know, become friends and end up on one another's projects. Like, you know, at, at some point, one of us, we're all on somebody's show or, you know, helping with panels or, you know, yep. cameos in a movie, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. But everybody's meme is getting out there and everybody is, gets along so well in our community that, you know, yep. it's a great opportunity for people that have never been to a convention that once we can start having them again, it's something that people need to experience. Oh yeah, absolutely, and uh you know it, it's so fascinating too because like I never knew cons existed before I wrote my first book, *Mary Doubler*. So, and then all of a sudden I'm like, all oh, of this wonderful horror community stuff was here, and I didn't know. Holy crap! awesome.
1: What was your first convention?
0: Uh, oh, the very first convention I ironically worked, I wasn't even planning on working. I, um I had my first book, Mary Dollar Herself, in the trunk of my car because I just didn't want to lift the box of like 50 books. I said, screw it, because yeah. I'm lazy. Parked at the hotel for Monster Mania because I just wanted to see what the one would be like. Mm. Wandered around and wound up bumping into this amazing woman who's just passed, uh, L.C. Ginsburg. And she looked at me, and she was always so amazing, because she could look at somebody, see talent, see, you know, a good heart, see somebody who's nervous, see somebody who's doing their first show. She's like, first show? I'm like, yeah, and we start talking. And she literally found out that I had my book in my car, and I had wound up booking the entire weekend to make sure that I could handle three days, because I have anxiety issues. So I've been really working through it by, like, you know, just, you know, the Immersing myself in a surroundings so that I get over it, kinda. So when I told her that, she was like, here, I made room at her table, put my books down, maybe sit behind the counter with her, and show me how to handle it. And that's how I started my career. After that, I worked her first con in any con that Twitch Twitch Productions ever did. She recently just passed, so that's why I'm saying half tense. so rest in peace, my dear Elsie. Rest um, in peace, yeah. But, yeah, but otherwise, you know, if Twitch, Twitch Productions continues with, um, Adam Ginsberg and the rest of them, I will hands down still do it because they always ran such an incredible con. It was like anything Twitch, Twitch Productions did and anything that Con did were both such great shows and set up so great that I never wanted to miss one no matter what between the people. Because you and I, Matt, uh, you and I met at that one as well, Matt, you know, so yeah. like SarahCon. So like, um, and just the way they laid it out and all that stuff, it's the same thing as, like, how L.C. was laid out and an event. You would always have good people around you, good energy, and, you know, as well as celebrities mixed in so that it wasn't just, like, oh, where'd they go? And then you lose all the people walking through a room. Like, it made you feel more like a community. And I think that's how I was so blessed to start out which gave me such an affinity and love and wanted to do all of them and meet you guys and stuff like that where it could have gone disastrously if she didn't like come here little bird you
1: know (laughs) right what was her craft what did she make you were at her booth you said yes well she had
0: um she does events (laughs) right Yes, and she had done the Horror Pillows because it was supporting her cancer treatment.
1: Aww.
0: So originally she was doing contact lenses and all other stuff as well as promoting all her Twitch Twitch Productions events like the Bizarre Haunted Flea Market and um, the Macabre Film Fair. Both things are on Long Island uh, in New York. So it's one of the only horror events that have ever really been a Long Island thing as far as I know at the level that she, Elsie, did it. So... Um, because of all the other stuff at the table, she would also be handing out flyers when it was permitted, you know, letting people know about that event coming up. She also did one that was kind of like a hot Harry Potter event, but more like a whole magical theme. So anything she did was amazing. And for her her to also do an indie film fest called Macabre Film Fair, it's like Sundance Fangs is always what she says. And, um... And that was amazing too, because you'd have indie filmmakers from all over the place. I actually met people from France who made a movie and wanted to come to this and did the red carpet at that event and just was wowed by it. So that's pretty amazing that um, her and her husband and all the workers could just bring to such a level that you get people from other countries being like, "I need to be at this event," you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's it. That was that's sad. anybody anybody that kind of pushes. Uh, platforms for people to entertain or entertain through, I think they're yes. special, special folks yeah, she
0: really she truly, truly was, I mean it's still a hard one even if I wasn't as close to her as many others were, I will never forget her and I will never stop talking about her um, I have a, that show that you, I think you both have been on the let Party with Loren, I did a yeah. special episode In memorial to her Because she had passed And I'm like I'm not going to fake Being funny this week The only thing that matters Is that she's not forgotten So I made like A two hour thing Of silence With her picture And like a candle in remembrance So that like There's no ego involved It's nothing It's just one of those Like for everybody To feel however they feel They can leave comments And if they want And at least She's always remembered And that's better Than me trying to pretend To laugh and make jokes On that game show That I run So you know
1: but it was a good thing. I had a horror question for you when was the first time you know you remember watching something that really kind of uh grabbed your attention like uh you know as as a young kid to kind of spin you off in the direction of becoming a horror fan oh wow
0: yeah uh <laughs> I was four this isn't my parents fault uh I was a very light sleeper and I was one of those children that could crawl out of a, a crib no matter what he did. Yeah. I put the TV on, it was still on HBO, and the TV turns on, and it's the moment from Beetlejuice where they're pulling their faces off trying to get attention. Yeah. And I scream, I'm like, bah! it's 4.30 in the morning, I have woken both my parents up, they see what's on the TV, they yell at me because they've already told me numerous times, don't watch the channel for this freaking reason. <laughs> So they turn it off. My father yeah. goes to work. My mother goes back to bed. She puts me in the crib. I get back out, turn it back on, and watch the rest of the movie with a pillow in my mouth, so nobody knows. After that, I read. Every- <laughs> I watched. I read everything by Edgar Allan Poe, and I was like in first grade doing like book reports on the Raven and Telltale Heart, and being told like this is inappropriate. You can't do this to other children. <laughs> Oh, thank God I wasn't the only child like that. I feel so much better now. (laughs) Uh, I was like seven when I watched. uh, It was another moment I was like in time out because once again I was. A very rambunctious child, my poor mom. She should get no venus for the rest of her life, considering she had to be with me. But uh, I was being punished, so I was supposed to have the TV on in my room at this point. You know, this is a bunch of years later. So I had turned it back on, but I only muted it and put captions because I figured out how to do it. And it was the moment from Hellraiser where it's Jesus wept and his faces oh, were so. <laughs> <that>, oh. Jesus. <laughs> horror movies that I turned on in my lifetime they're both ripping their faces off right after that uh, you know how VHS's were still around yeah. my mom had recorded a bunch of movies but the only word I could read on it was dogs so I thought it was a bunch of things about dogs it turned out it was Reservoir Dogs and it's the moment turned on where he's chopping the ear off so in a span of four through about eight, I watched a bunch of stuff where people got decimated, and I feel like that explains my writing and my movies a lot, plus my mindset.
1: <laughs> Fuck, man, that's, that was a lot right there. I'll say Beetlejuice was a very hard PG. That's a movie that you can go back, and there's some, there's some elements to that film that maybe should have slid into the, uh, I don't know, maybe PG-13 realm. Um, yep. Uh, uh, what else? What else? <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was and another <laughs> yeah, that? That Jesus Wept line, uh, I think every horror fan kind of remembers where they were. It's like 9 11, uh, maybe yep. not that extreme, maybe, but uh, it's one of those. I think everybody kind of remembers that moment. It's that taboo stuff yeah. with like the religious stuff that is a little more taboo. Yeah. Like, I know in, in Hellraiser 3 when he's when, uh, when Pinhead does, like, puts his, like, does the the needles in his hands and then puts himself up on, like, the cross position. And I remember yeah. that being, like, creeped out big time and Dad just being like, whoa! Because I kind of, yeah. Like, yeah, I kind of grew up in, like, a religious home. So, like, that stuff uh, always, like, to this day, I think the I Exorcist... I was like a no-no. That's yeah, a- like, to this, yeah. Day, to this day, I still think The Exorcist is, like, the scariest movie of all time. Because, That's what's like, scary. yeah, big trouble, some big trouble stuff, you know. <laughs> uh huh. Especially shooting. if you believe in any of
0: it. <laughs> That's why the Storyteller of Pain, I think you'd like that one, because I always say, what would happen if there wasn't a freeze, What would you do? So the Storyteller of yeah. Pain book I wrote how you get uh, the doctor is locked within a, a state asylum because of a storm with a deadly surgeon and 13 demons all trying to get her at once and she has to figure out how to survive all of it without the help of the priest and it's 1927
1: in Danvers year. Lunatic Asylum that was a good year so
0: with that one you know, that's that it it was, it was actually that was the first book of yours that I actually bought from you and read Back in Scarecon in 2017, and that's what got me hooked on your work. Yeah. because we got <laughs> yeah. into the conversation. We had gotten—that's how we had gotten into the conversation about, you know, the, the amount of research that you put into your novels, and like, just you could see the love, the passion in your eyes as you are talking about it. And I'm like, "Yep, I'm reading it here. Take my money." And I, read, <laughs> I, read, I read that book in three and a half hours. Yep, it was so good. (laughs) Yeah, it was so good, I couldn't put it down. (laughs) Yep, and then I have the bedtime killer, which you know I did all my research because I decided what would happen if a peeping Tom decided to turn into a lust killer. Because, you know, there are those barriers depending on, you know, kind of like a Richard Ramirez, a lust killer, so... I put a little nod to High Tension in that one, and my friend Charlie Saladino, he's reading it, he works as a night security for a school, and all of a sudden, he's like, Horace, you dirty bastard. (laughs) He's like, this one's so gross. He's like, I gotta turn the lights on. He's like, just make the man take a shower. He's so cheesy. I'm like, yes, okay, good. (laughs) That one's fun. (laughs) Yeah, so Bedtime Killer is the second one I bought, and then the very (laughs) devil herself, was uh number three on my reading list for your your books I still have a couple more I haven't gotten to yet but those are next on my uh I can't really <laughs> have to read. <laughs> yeah, the very color self I did way too much research on in my opinion where I actually deleted stuff after I wrote it. I'm like, no one needs to know that's a three by five. <laughs> you know, um, but that one is about an immortal cannibal who works for the king of England from the 16th through 19th century hunting down historical serial killers. So I literally went back mm. in history and every hotel, pub, Bar Street is all historically accurate. Even the serial killer she goes after, even the king, everything is historically accurate except for Alexandria herself, because otherwise history would be totally epic. And I'm definitely writing another one about her after I finish publishing this one, which is The Queen of Hearts, which, hero killer, killer or vigilante, I guess we'll find out.
1: You sound like you write with a big grand scale, a grand like scale, a grand scale of... You know, all these period pieces and such, I was just like, I was, I was thinking to myself, It was like, I wonder if she would ever contemplate doing, trying to make a film out of one of her books, but it seems like they're, they're, the budgets would be too high, what do you think? Well, yeah, it's funny,
0: because um, Mel knows this, that when I first met her, I told everybody, I'm going to write three books, that I'm going to make you Then I'm going to start working on other projects because I'm going to need a certain amount of budget because I'm making every book I write into a movie. (laughs) So, yes, you're right. I have people talking to people in London for The Very Devil Herself, but that's going to be further down the line. Um, The Bedtime Killer is a present day. So, honestly, out of all of the books I've written so far, that one will be the most likely the next one up after I finish The Devil's Lettuce. And, um, the Talking Dead movie Um, because it's present day And it could be anybody's regular houses And it's just a dirty, creepy Keep in time, love killer The other two, because they're time period You're absolutely right, I'm gonna need to have a bigger budget But I'm hoping, after having Four or five movies under my belt Where people go, oh shit, she can do Horror, she can do horror comedy She can do this, she can do that Even though she's a female filmmaker with a You know, a certain type of budget and whatever else um I'll be able to get more sponsors to be able to make sure that everything is historically accurate. You know, yeah. so you're right about that.
1: Cool. So the f- making making the movies was always in the plan.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> Before I wrote the very devil herself, I was telling family members what the plan was because I, when I was a little kid, my dad decided I was about three. When he decided I needed to learn how to play chess, and it was one of the chores. Um, and I had to play chess with him every night and he said, if you think about life like a chess game, you can always think enough moves ahead to plan your life right. Now, <laughs> I didn't know about pitfalls and everybody makes mistakes and whatever else, but because he taught me that way, like, I've always seen career as something where you got to plan it all out in different steps and it all hits me in the head. It's almost like with my books, they're all finished products in my head. I just need to have enough blood and energy to automatically write it out and then type it all because it's all longhand and then typing. Um, But it's all kind of like um, a psychic hit flash of like this is what you need to do and it's like yes ma'am okay I'm doing that. (laughs) As weird as it sounds you know.
1: Yeah. May I recommend The only
0: only book on all of this that does not fit in with the scheme of things
1: Yeah.
0: The children's
1: book. The Dragon? Ah
0: yes. Dragon, dragon. Yes, dragon. yes did the children's from the horror long enough to write a children's book, or did the children's book come before the Hara? Where do all the dragons go? Yes, I did all the illustrations to that one, too. Technically, okay, um, I wrote a poem book, Blood Dreams and Shattered Illusions, and then I wrote the children's book because my niece, Brooke, was born, and I wanted to make sure I had something that I could give her to get the message across, hopefully, that working together and light and love and all that stuff are so freaking important and like you know we can really the whole hippie mentality of light, love working together healing the planet you know all that magical wonderful you know almost like a Santa Claus-ish kind of mentality I want children to still have so that when they do start reading my horror stuff it's not from a psychopath place to begin with (laughs)
1: wouldn't have been easier wouldn't have been been easier just to get her a teddy bear uh, no, because Teddy Bear definitely wouldn't be remembered. But I got her those two. Please, I'm like, joking,
0: the amount of I'm stuff joking. I've gotten that child. Oh yeah, I know, I know. But I also it's gone around to schools there's tons of kids that have read it, and a lot of parents say that it's been helping them. You know, because the messages inside really is like, you know, where did all the fairies go? They have to figure out how to like be saved and healed, and what they transform into because humans are a little too harsh, and they forget. You know, it's not just us here. So. The yeah. pictures are really pretty. I tried, you know, make it really colorful and the kids seem to really love it. I have, ironically, other children's stories that I've written, but uh, they're a little, they're a little dark. So I want to re-edit those before I put them out.
1: Yeah what <laughs> <laughs> like you thought about. Sense,
0: PG. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you thought about then maybe possibly, you know, directing your writing skills towards, like, teenagers? Yeah, like that type of deal, like the goosebumps type vibe books where, you know, the love older, that. you know, those preteens and teens could get into. Yeah, that's actually what I've been thinking because I have Where'd All the Unicorns Go? And I wrote it like two years ago and it's been sitting in a book because the story started out really beautiful and light and love. And I was like, Yeah, same level. And then by the time. I automate it and What happens is It's almost like You know in the movies Where the automatic Writing thing happens And it just comes Flying out And the person's Almost not in control of it yeah. I have that happen Where all of a sudden I realize I've filled up the notebook And the only reason i stopped writing Is there's no more pages And I need to get another one It's been hours And that's literally What happens with Where all The unicorns go And by the time It was done I was like Oh that got dark I don't know What to do with that So it's been sitting In a book Where I haven't even Typed it up Because like I was a little startled how dark it got in one spot and i was like oh i don't know that, you know so it's like a whole lot of light and love and oh by the way fuck you, here we go <laughs> yeah like and now you're at are ready like i got books for you it's gonna get dark no um uh, so <laughs> i put it on the shelf because i wasn't sure if it was just where my mind was at the time because around the same time i had just lost um one of my dogs and I didn't know if it was, like, did I just get depressed and angry, and then, wow, and I can edit it, or, you're like, now that it's a clear head and I have other stuff that's finished, like, Yield was took over everything, so I wasn't messing with anything else. It was the only focus I had, and I did so much research on Yields, on directing and everything else, that there was no time for, like, a children's story while also writing a cannibalistic film. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love that at the same time for me, so... Now I can look at it and be like, is it good, like a goosebump, like you said, or is it like, damn, bitch, politics, this story?
1: <laughs> Truth.
0: <clears throat> but if it works, it works. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's why I'm going to go back and look at it again because was like, I want to make sure, like, was I just startled? Or was it actually, like, and I just need an illustrator? And I have an illustrator or two that I've been talking to about it. So I'm sure they'd be thrilled if I actually got it to
1: them. <laughs> As a kid, did you get into the Goosebumps books or the Christopher Pike books? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah.
0: I had every single Goosebumps book, every single R.L. Stine book, all of them. I would go to the library. I'd walk all the way to the library just to sit in a shelf like a dork, I don't care reading Goosebumps books until someone's like, you know, we're closing. Oh, I have one more chapter. Okay, I'll go home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow, same time. I literally would say that they knew me. They'd be like, "Hi, Lauren." I'm like, "I ain't gonna get another Goosebumps book because, like, I knew I already had too many checked out on other topics because I was always researching stuff even as a kid. Yeah, I was like the kid that had too many how-to books and I'm like, you're never gonna do anything with these books. Want to return them? with are how-to books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Goosebumps. I still do. I watch movies. I don't care. I'll watch the TV show sometimes, too. So I'm a little kid at heart sometimes.
1: What do you like to... We-
0: There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, the,
1: be- the better people in life are a little bit kid at heart. You know what I mean? I, mean... I feel like it
0: helps balance it out. Like it- Otherwise, all there is is like almost darkness and toxicity, well, where okay. it's being a kid at heart and watching a lot of cartoons and being able to laugh helps keep a
1: healthy heart. Well, that's realistically the deal. Yeah, you you look at people that, you know, people like don't get crazy over politics is like the completely opposite side of the spectrum of the kid at heart type yeah. motto, you know. Um,
0: yeah, I love when somebody comes at me like that and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, you're really angry. All right, I'm going to go get more coffee. You want coffee? Like, I don't know what to do for you. You're super angry. <laughs>
1: I think people just They just like to be angry To be angry you know Yeah I mean? usually like I'm like Do you want do? coffee?
0: Do you want alcohol? Do you want to smoke <laughs> it? How about I put oh, you know? it's, very, it's very easy To de-escalate a situation With you Because all I have to do Is throw a blunt A cup of coffee Or a drink in front of you For best friends again I like <laughs> yes. the way you Blunt
1: you know, I like the way you say Blunt <laughs> Melissa Blunt Good. I like it <laughs> Speaking of blog, Lauren, are you an underground hip-hop fan? Did I see that?
0: Yeah, I like a lot of it. I, I, I like all different genres, so every time somebody like gives me something new to listen to, I wind up down a rabbit hole. I'm like, ooh, in that video? Ooh, I like that, and I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen you posting some slain music videos. I a, love Slane I used to shoot shows for Slain back in the day. Slain's a good That's guy. Fucking epic. I only the only time in my life I've ever went to a club. I went with Slain and uh we got the VIP treatment. It was cool. It was right in between Gone Baby Gone and the town. So like he, he Oh he, wow. Yeah, so it was it was like the first time I've ever seen kinda of like celebrity up close in a way because like I remember the whole night people they just kept kept ushering like people in to meet him like people just come in and meet him and like leave i remember being like wow that's kind of cool yeah (laughs) it's funny that's
0: like uh technon when he first came out my friend robbie who's passed on rest in peace we first came out, was like, you need to listen to this. We're sitting in the car, smoking a blunt, talking about what we would do. If there's a zombie apocalypse, where we would go. I'm telling you. We watch hot cars. We listen to Tech Nines. And I kept bringing them up, and nobody knew what I was talking about. And everyone's like, yeah, of course, Tech Nines. So it's the same yeah. thing with Slane. I'm like, I'm like, Bobby, be real. Bobby, be real. Uh-huh. And people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, how about Nine-Nine Problems, and I don't got one. You do? No? Okay. It's playing. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, because you were kinda surprised one night too, because I was posting tech nine videos and then I started posting videos from like Snow the Product and you it, you commented I Oh my god, I love this song. I didn't know anybody else knew who she was. Exactly. Most people they don't say. They don't even know her and I'm like, I've been listening to her since she started too and she's another one. I'm like, Yes I'm like, this is a badass bitch, I gotta listen to her. She so understands she's got good shit going on. I feel like her and Flame would be killer. Like just I want a video with those two. Um cool. and she did an awesome one with uh what is it? Killer Rizzo? Whatever with also yeah. I think Tech Nine in it. Yeah,
1: yeah, Chris, yeah, Chris Rizzo. Chris Rizzo. Oh so good. Okay. Yeah. Chris Calico. What is it, Damage? Calico. Calico. Chris Calico? Yeah, I think so. I remember I yeah. So. Tech Nine's, uh like the beast <laughs> on the underground. Uh, I remember back in the yeah. Back when he first broke out, I remember the, those first two albums, uh, Angelic and Absolute Power, like, fucking really good, really good albums. Uh, I don't really listen too much anymore, and, you know, no, not that I don't, I just haven't listened, uh, Oh, uh, one song "Rain" is so okay. good.
0: You guys need to listen to "Rain." Well, I it's see so good.
1: He was at the gathering. We, me and Alex, went to the gathering last year. uh The juggalo. Nice. And he performed chop there. Chop
0: chop slide, yo! Chop chop slide.
1: Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Okay,
0: guys, seriously, the next con we're all at, I'm gonna make at the VIP party. We need to do the chop chop slide and have everybody besides me whoever wants to be in cosplay like killer costumes and we can all like just videotape it and do the chop chop slide because that song would be epic between the Michael Myers and all the Jasons all the other shit like imagine everybody and we're all doing the chop chop slide fuck yeah
1: be viral Oh, that would be hilarious go viral
0: every time I listen to that song that's what I see in my head I'm telling you when I listen to
1: songs I have
0: entire movies or music videos where they're just like oh my god it'd be so good and that would be an amazing moment just like if it was a scare con or something i along all oh, and do yeah, it everybody, the everybody. The everybody to do it yeah I oh, yeah the dopest flash mob ever I tell You're gonna you we have to
1: do it putting the move, I did one of the one of the one of the thing, biggest things I would look forward to with a big budget is being able to pick out any type of music you want, you know what I mean? How do you feel about music in your film? How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah, I lucked out because I actually had more than one, um, recording artist, music, composer, slash, whatever, um, who hit me up and made music for my movie, and I was able to pick and choose throughout their songs, whatever I wanted to use with no problem. Uh, but the amount of, you know, problems that you get with, you know, the different songs if you don't get a choice is very annoying and I get it at the same time. So like, if I could, like, with Yields, it would be almost like Rob Zombie's Half a Thousand Courses soundtrack. Like, I would love to be able to have, like, this whole, like, crazy combination between Tech Nine, Flame, <laughs> Rob Zombie. <laughs> I don't know, it would just be a whole crazy Motorhead, just a whole crazy mashup of amazing, like, Um, have you ever heard of Lauren,
1: um, No.
0: No. Me neither. Okay. She's amazing. She's, she's like a heavy metal singer. She's been doing a lot of, she's on YouTube. Uh, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, Babic B-A-B-I-C. I just discovered her myself. Uh, I think I shared one or two on my profile, so, but I wouldn't even try to look through that. Just go on YouTube. But she has, like, the Whoa! voice so badass. And she still has a pretty voice at the same time. Like, it's impressive. Yeah. There's Actually, one, I think um, I might um, know who she is. I just didn't know who her, what her name was. Because You're um, going to go Far Kid. The one that she did with some dude, uh, We are going to go Far Kid, is one of my favorites of hers. So definitely look that up. She is badass. Yeah.
1: I'm
0: definitely writing this down.
1: I listen to that song every morning while I'm tying my shoes. Are you gonna go far, kid? My offspring for inspiration. I love them. The I oh, it's kind of like, like African. It's, it's kind of like African child, and get them to the Greek. I listen to that song every morning while I'm brushing my teeth. We talking about? <laughs> off, <laughs> we talking about the offspring from the nineties? Yeah. I get, no, no, I don't no. Know, get was, him to the Greek. <laughs> uh, get him to the Greek was a was a comedy film that was actually pretty good for a comedy of its time. Well, yeah, that's what I was
0: saying. She, you know, we, we listened to that song um, in that movie. There was that song, African Child, that you know he was doing, and it was like the most horrible song ever. But he was trying to get him to go on tour, and he was yeah. like, "Oh, uh, African Child, yeah, I love that song. I listen to it every morning while I'm brushing my teeth." <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> Get him to the no, so That's you go
0: to every morning when I brush my teeth I'm going to listen to you're you know you're going to go fuck it.
1: Get him to the Greeks, one of those movies, kid. It's like uh it, it, it was so good at the time. It's like is it because the movies that good, or is it because that movie was, that that time for movies was just so bad. So you don't know if it's kind of a good <laughs> thing just or not. We recently
0: bad. rewatched it again and it was still as funny as hell to me.
1: Yeah. I remember uh, Jonah Hill. I don't like that other that that Russell Brand. I can't stand that dude. Fucking for anything, for nothing. <laughs> I wouldn't if he. I wouldn't stop at his house for fucking candy trick or treating. You know what I mean? <laughs> but
0: he stopped for alcohol
1: though? Not a thing. Alcohol and Jeffrey. But I enjoyed that, oh, movie. I enjoyed uh-huh. that movie. I enjoyed that movie. I enjoy. I liked the film. I thought it was yeah. good. Yeah.
0: Going to get a Jeffrey from him and
1: stroke the furry log. Yeah, see that it was fun. It was a fun movie, but that—that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> is the was the movie that good, or were the, all the other movies around it just that bad at the time? That's what I'm curious of. I have to go back and watch it because I remember when that was out. That was like a everybody was talking about that. It was like a Pineapple Express or a super bad type uh, height yeah. height of uh, expectation and uh, hype. If you like will. How it really was a Friday, yeah. Friday, yeah. They're making another Friday, I think. They shouldn't... They, they, what's the, the... The older dude from Friday that died, they shouldn't make any more movies without him. He was too cool. He was the best one on the whole movie. Oh, yeah. You, oh, you yeah. can't make another
0: Friday movie without John
1: Whitteson.
0: There's no yeah. way. That, that, what, was it, what was the... Was it in Living Hollow he was in right before that? What was the show he did? He did, like, a stand-up comedian oh, show. the cool. uh, Well, he was on the Wayans Brothers
1: playing yeah. their father. Yeah. Yeah, and it was before that, wasn't it? In living color, he was with them, also with um, Jim Carrey. Um, I think I don't he think was he on he that was too, in... but it might have been only with a the scarecrow there. Yeah. He was. He's been in everything forever, uh, going all the way oh, back. I think bad all bad the bad. way back to like the Jefferson times and stuff like that. House uh, party. <laughs> kind of, yeah, what's happening? Good times like that era type deal. But, uh, yeah, you name it, he's been in it, man. He's in Kill a Tomato Strike Back. You know, and you guys, (laughs) do you guys remember Bebe's Kids? Oh my god, I love that movie. We don't, we multiply. Now, Bebe's Kids (laughs) got very rare for a time, It it went out of print, and you couldn't get your hands on it. And um, and uh, it was so good. It's not it's the same thing
0: with the Garbage Pail Kids movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, except this is supposedly better. Hopefully, and you know, Robin Harris. He, he, what happened is Robin. Baby Rob-
0: Kids is definitely better than Garbage Pail Kids for sure, for sure.
1: For sure, I think Baby it's on, Kids
0: is so freaking good. I think uh, it's on oh, Netflix though or Amazon. It's, it's another
1: it. Really it's just watched it. it I literally just watched it. It's so fucking good. so it is.
0: It's Kids. I can't even. To it
1: the brainchild so of we're on this Harris, topic, You yeah.
0: have a guilty pleasure
1: movie? Oh, guilty pleasures. Who are
0: we talking to? You! <laughs> <Do> you <laughs> have a guilty, guilty <laughs> pleasure movie.
1: Pleasures, guilty. Kid, we're
0: talking about baby, baby kids and...
1: We're talking about you know, baby kids. We're, kid. we're talking about uh, baby uh, Cool and, World. Cool World is
0: definitely one of those. Cool
1: World was a good time. That was a good time for like... Uh, who Framed Roger Rabbit, I feel, was in that chunk of time. It was when they were yeah. they were doing that animation uh, and live action crossover stuff that was really kind of cool. That's like, like, was kinda like <laughs> kind of like what
0: was it Monkey Bone or something like that? Yeah, but or I don't think that was him. as good
1: yeah. with Brendan Fraser. Yeah, yeah the poor man in that movie. That talked. <laughs> Brendan Fraser. What do you guys think of Brendan Fraser? I feel bad for him.
0: Considering like, I'm pretty sure he went through some shit. <laughs> Brandon. Yeah, definitely, because he went from like A-list actor to
1: what's his name again? Exactly. <laughs> right. he's, so, on, he's on a, uh, a superhero TV show that's on like. Um, he also he okay, also
0: supposedly got molested on one of the sets, and that's why he disappeared. And he's only coming out now about because people are finally allowed to talk about it.
1: Brendan Fraser. Yeah, supposedly. I saw that
0: in one of the articles during the whole Weinstein thing, and that's why he had disappeared, because he couldn't take it anymore. I thought it was on Monkey Bones, but don't quote me on that part. I don't freaking know. But if I think if you look it up, there's there's articles where it says that he... I don't know if it's that movie or not, but somebody, one of the directors or producers, supposedly did, and that's why he disappeared. I don't know how much truth is in it, because I don't really care about, like,
1: articles, you know? I, I never know what... Propaganda push anymore. I, I, I heard yeah, exactly. I heard Polly Shaw made him give him head on the Encino man side. That's what I heard. I, it's very possible. I don't know. I mean, there is too much going nah, on and all that right now. Yeah, poor Paulie Shaw.
0: I mean, Ron Jeremy <laughs> was in jail. Let's be quite clear. We're at a very weird yeah. stage.
1: Yeah. Um. So Brendan Fraser supposedly got molested on the set of Monkey Bone, or Monkey Paw, whatever. I don't know. I like know there head. was an article. He was like a grown. Well, supposedly
0: there was an article. I don't know if it was Monkey Bones. I told you, I'm not sure uh, okay. if it was that movie or not. But there was. Well, we know it's the Ben. Right. Yeah, so all, all we know it's say. the Ben George the Jungle because all he had on was a. Or the mummy. Or well, the mummy. Who knows? Yep. I have no fucking clue. But all I know is there was an article. And it was during the same time as all the other people that were coming out. Really? And it said oh. that's why he disappeared was whatever movie it was. But I also don't keep track of all that stuff. Uh, it's like, I feel bad for everybody that it could happen. Yeah, the same If I pay too much attention, all it's going to do is poison my soul. So yeah. since I can't do anything, I, I weep for them, I say a prayer, and then I delete the information because there's no room in the vault for that shit. <laughs> no, so, no. Like as bad as it is especially since we can always just google it at some point after the show I mean it's, it's Brendan Fraser and molested. I mean it's obviously somewhere on there and it's either true or it isn't true it's either propaganda that got pushed for whatever cause or it's truth or it's not but nothing I can do about it one way or the other but that's supposedly the reason he disappeared unlike Rick Roman- Roman- um, Moranis who disappeared because he wanted to have, be a father to his kids
1: yeah, his wife passed away yeah, yeah. baby kids Yeah, and Cool World is always so awesome.
0: I feel like that's how my brain thinks of stuff. Like, Mel knows, like, if I really, really get upset because somebody went way over the line, yes, alcohol and things like that calm me down, but at the same time, I'm like, I want to eat their face with a fork, but in my mind, it's like a Cool World thing or like a Roger Rabbit thing. They'll be fine. They just have to blow on their thumb, you know?
1: (laughs) That's Val Kilmer, right? Cool World, Val Kilmer? Or is that Brad Pitt? No, no, Brad Brad Pitt, Pitt.
0: Brad Pitt.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if I'm with her and something happens, I just hand her a shot of fireball and we walk away. <laughs>
1: You're like Mario. <laughs> That's true.
0: Fire She's like, shot. here's Jack to scary. Breeze, you got it. <laughs> I will change her soul. Oh, that was much better. Thanks. I'm better, everybody.
1: Juggle <laughs> and hide. Yeah, it, it takes a lot for me to lose it like that. Lauren, if you could work with any actor or actress. Right now, they said anybody you want, who would it be? Oh, it's
0: a long list. Um, Kevin Smith, because he's cool. <laughs> um,
1: As an actor?
0: Yeah, I think it would be fun to have him in a movie, just because so yeah. he's, one, well, he's brilliant. So, and when he played Silent Bob, I actually have the collection figures of Jay and Silent Bob on my wall. But, um, that's another good feel right pleasure movie. Yeah, I freaking love, um, Jay and Silent Bob. But, um, let's say. Uh, Robert Meeks because he's a cool dude that I met at cons that was in House of Thousand Corpses, so it would be cool to have him in it. Um, Very nice. Yeah, he's really... Right, he's such a sweetheart. Like, that's one of the reasons I'm really working on, like, getting sponsors and stuff and, like, you know, investors, because it would be nice to be like, you're an awesome dude i would love to support you. Would you like to be in this film? <laughs> you know. Uh, Rob Archer, he played Krampus in a Christmas horror story. He's always been a supportive person. He has my books and stuff, so it would be also... And he was an awesome actor, but, like. Major names I feel like Johnny Depp would be awesome to have in a movie. I don't know how he'd be to work with, but um but other than that I don't really it'd be just cool depending on the parts that come up, you know. Not really like individuals. But John Malkovich would probably be another one that would be really cool just to be able to.
1: I bet Johnny say be I can't even
0: think of.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean this yeah, yeah, it'd be that'd be quite that'd be something. I think one day, i th- in the future, will you'll be seeing more, more things like Johnny Depp stepping out and doing a smaller budgeted film because yeah, once it gets back to, back to like an art form, if it ever does, I guess I should say, but once it's more of an art form, it's tough. It'll always be a business, but like if you can get more of a, uh, like. You know it's gonna this. be more
0: like Nicolas Cage who Who isn't afraid To take on Any kind of You know Role that's handed to him Just to keep busy Well if Nicolas Cage He did great in Mom and Dad That was a good movie Nicolas Cage did recently Mom and Dad Yeah Horror movie Nicholas... Yep I just watched that And I'm a big fan Of a Colorado space Right now too
1: Yeah good flick mm-hmm. he, he usually always Hits it out of the park Whether uh You know whether it's uh you know, you know,
0: there's anywhere from age security. Like, he's all over the map, and he always picks roles from different, you know, genres and even like age ranges to let everybody, like everybody, it doesn't matter what age, if you say the name Nicholas Cage, more than likely someone's going to know who the hell he is.
1: And uh, most yeah. people would, yeah. You yeah, know, I agree with you. 110%. Yeah, Nick Cage would be really cool to work with. Um... Samuel L. Jackson. I want to hear him curse around my stage. As a... Yes,
0: I want him to... I want him to do a promo, like an intro for our show and see how many times he can say motherfucker in 30 seconds. (laughs) All right, yeah. That would
1: be good. There you (laughs) go. $30,000. Right, (laughs) there Um... As a filmmaker, the filmmaking side of you, what filmmakers do you look up to, uh, and do you find influence in their work?
0: Um, definitely Rob Zombie because uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is one of my tops. Yeah. Um, I know everybody doesn't agree, but I love the I love all of it, so that's definitely one. And, um, and this is why we're friends. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, Clive Barker, because Hellraiser, yeah. Nightbreed, uh, as well as his books, I mean. But, um, and Tim Burton. Although, I feel like the very Devil herself. when I get to it will be kind of like how Tim Burton did Sweeney Todd with the color scheme, yet still like Rob Zombie does with uh, Devil's Rejects. That's where my mind sees it. So... I feel like very much my constant influences, which you might have even noticed in Yield, where the soundtrack kind of made me think of House of a Thousand Corpses without having him to play all the music. Um, But I feel like it's always kind of an undercurrent of
1: it. When I watch Yield, I got got three, three people, Rob Zombie, Toby Hooper, and Wes Cravenfields. And, nice.
0: uh, and that's, Yeah, that's the conversation her and I had after I first saw Yield as well. She asked me the, what vibe I got off of it. And I, I had just watched Thousands of Thousand Corpses, so, you know, the zillions ton.
1: And that's, and that, I, that's the Rob Zombie that feel. That was the
0: vibe that it threw off for me, too.
1: I think that Rob Zombie's feel is a lot of a mixture of uh, Toby Hooper and Wes Craven. I think that those... I don't know, I've never, you know, heard him talk about his influences, but I assume those two would have to be pretty heavy, you know, the, the, a lot of exploitation and, uh, you know, but... Yeah, that's awesome that you thought of those three. That's a very awesome feeling for me, That's Thank
0: a compliment, you. You. you
1: know what I mean, yeah. You Absolutely. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm going to have you
0: write that down somewhere so I could put it...
1: <laughs> if you put <laughs> if it I on put the... It there put it on the back of a DVD I'll, I'll write you a nice quote Yes. Yeah, so
0: there's a little there's a little known uh, little lesser known fact about you Miss Tang, is you're an ordained minister too ooh <laughs> yes <laughs> and not because <laughs> I wanted to marry people <laughs> oh that wasn't creepy that wasn't creepy at all uh, <laughs> no not at all <laughs> <laughs> what do you want um, to perform <laughs> how did you know um so the reason I actually became ordained was because I was uh, researching so much for the storyteller of pain on all the 72 types of demons and all that stuff that I started having issues in my house at first, as well as having other people being like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but there's a the smell of rotting meat and I'm getting scratched this, that and the other. So I actually got ordained originally so that if you know, it's a real thing, and that's what you believe. Then that means my prayers and everything I'm doing is at that same level, which is what you need to fight any of that stuff. If it's not real, then at least I'm freaking trying, and at least I'm trying to put good out there. So, I first became ordained. It's non-denominational, because I really am non-denominational. I do pull from Catholic, you know, roots, but I also pull from, like voodoo roots, because I studied a lot of those different things, and I do have teachers in multiple religions, tra- you know, faiths and that kind of stuff. Because I didn't want to have only one track, and from doing all the research and every type of faith, each type of faith, when I was working for the researching for the storyteller pain, explained how they handle demons in their cultures or faith and their religion, and it was fascinating. Like you know, red brick dust or black salt or sage or holy water everybody has something but nobody ever talks about it so i utilize all of it and after i got ordained i started having people hit me up and literally saying, i don't know why i'm telling you this but i i the only thing i can do is tell you i need your help and literally start helping people doing cleansing doing blessing working on candle spells and all other stuff as well as you know doing weddings for people. I have one in October where I'm literally dressing up as the nun because they wanted a horror theme, and I'll do anything for my friends. So, you know, I also That's do That's going to be amazing. I can't <laughs> wait. It's going to be so much fun. I was like, what do you want me to wear? They're like, um, well, it's a Halloween theme, so what about, like, the nun? I'm like, no, nice. I... <laughs> um, but I've also done you know, regular hand-casting ceremonies and things like that where it's, you know, pure, all healing, all health because I'm also a Reiki healer. I have all that light worker side before I even started making horror novels. So I've always done healing work. I've always done light work. I just also write horror stuff, and that usually freaks people out. They don't understand. I feed both wolves. The dark wolf with all of you know my books and my movies and all that stuff, while also helping everybody I can with light work, whether it's spell work, prayers, cleansings, weddings, etc., healing. You know, I do uh, spiritual therapy sessions with people, which is really more like counseling and talking it through and finding better methods. Uh, I do suicide preventions where I'll do twenty four hour, you know, surveillance while we're doing prayers of whatever culture that would help them. So I don't just push my shit on other people, yeah. but that way I'm not just putting darkness back out in the world. I'm also trying to help people. So it always brings people out. They're like, "You do, Ricky. You're you're an ordained minister, and you wrote a book about cannibalism." Yes, yes, and yes. You're welcome because <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. multi-faceted <laughs> right there's just, there's just so much like you're all over the place lately like I cannot go through Facebook and not see some type of post and your posts are just like you You get the rapey, you get the inspirational, you get the horror, you get the four twenty, you get the fibromyalgia awareness. So you cover all your bases, no matter what the topic is. Yep, and I run two healing pages, healing with Laren, as well as um, live and love yourself in your life, or that kind of page. And um, because how many people don't know things like what narcissistic manipulators are, what gaslighting is, and. I've done I've been taking psychology classes since middle school because my when my mom was going to college there was no like you know let's get a babysitter it was bring your daughter with you so it was always the psychology classes then I was in high school and I took those college classes then I took college classes in college so I have a lot of psychology in the background so you know I'm always talking to people about you know either abusive patterns or toxic patterns and how to help their life between you know affirmations and all that stuff as well through those stages and since I have such a large community of different people and varying interests that's why there's so many different kind of posts on there because those people that I know are having a hard time those posts are for them. The people that like need like yeah girl you got it those posts are for them. The ones that just want entertainment those posts are for them so it's a mosh posh of craziness but that's what I am I guess <laughs>
1: Alright
0: There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, because it makes for great conversation.
1: Believe that. that.
0: (laughs) I mean, it is. I mean, and it's also the kind of thing where you know how much research I do, girl. So when I don't know something, I have no problem being like, I have no idea. Hold on. Let me look it up. Let me read enough things. And I'll get back to you in about 24 hours and let you know what the consensus is, you know. So I don't yep. mind saying that I will never know everything, and that always bothers me. Like, if, I, if the only reason I would ever be a vampire is the constant knowledge, but then I think of the Twilight Zone episode where, no, I have time to read everything, and his glasses break, you know?
1: You just say vampires <laughs> have unlimited knowledge?
0: No, if you got to be a vampire, you would have the rest of eternity to get that to knowledge and that's the oh, only reason I would ever imagine like if you had to choose vampire or werewolves it would be like okay one it wouldn't be Harry. <laughs> two at least I'd be living forever learning stuff I'd be like the little scholar monk vampire
1: so you, <laughs> you
0: let think you, of you, a book you would put out that being of vampire the stories you could tell them. oh my god that would be amazing but I don't want to feast on humans so there's an idea for a book (laughs) then yeah seriously
1: you'd choose vampire
0: well I mean it's depending on what what other choices there might be if I could just be like you know a Valkyrie yeah sure I'll be a Valkyrie first that would be great (laughs) <laughs> but if it's vampire versus werewolf, then I will take vampire because that's a lot of shaving that won't successfully work out anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Maybe, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even going there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what would you guys pick? Uh, yeah, vampire or werewolf? Um, yeah. I'd probably go with Vampire just because I, you know, the every time the werewolf changes, it's a painful experience. So Who wants to deal with that? That's true. I would say Vampire just because I don't want to
0: keep ripping my clothes. That's that true. can get expensive, sure. yeah. Oh, you know what show Was really good That I just finished watching Speaking of this I was watching The Order on Netflix With uh, Catherine Isabella From Ginger Snaps And there were werewolves In there Plus like magical people whatever But it was actually Pretty damn good And wow. it was cool to see her Because she was from American Mary And Ginger Snaps And all that stuff Yeah, I she's was, phenomenal you know, And then we love her that's one of the women I would love to work with. There's the name. I could, like, you know, when you ask the question on the spot, you can't think of anything. Her and Christina Ricci, those are two. Perusa Ball, there's another one. Those three women together would be epic. Imagine all three of them as vigilantes. Yeah. You to make that happen. That would be amazing.
1: Christina Ricci alone is like, uh, uh boys and girls were in love with Christina Ricci, uh, in my job. They were. Still. Still. <laughs> Still. The best. Yeah. Wednesday, Adams. My God. I think everybody... Yeah, or when followed, she was in
0: though. Casper.
1: Casper, yeah. Big fan. Oh
0: my God, Penelope. Yes. Now and then. Like, there's so many. Yeah, I mean even when she played, um oh my god, I can't even think of her name now. Um
1: she was in Monster. Charlie Fairon and she did a great job in that movie too. Well she's a great actress. Yeah, she's she's, She's like she
0: I don't there's nothing she can't do. Seriously. That's what I'm saying. Like those three plus she um wasn't she the one who did the Lizzie Borden Chronicles? Well, that was the one I was just trying to think of. Lizzie Borden, you. (laughs) I don't know. And she directed the good one. There was two. Um, And I hated that. I'm like, the one she directed, like, oh, so there's one where she actually, I think, directed it and starred in it. That one was amazing with her sister in it or whatever. Um, And she did so good in that. But imagine her for the book. Catherine Isabel—that would be an amazing trio in a movie. Yeah, and, and you know you, you kind of have to admire those three too because they've all been acting since they were young, and yes, so managed to not become train wrecks like a lot of the other young actresses that are
1: still in the in the into the in the game now. Yeah, true, true. true. Why do you think that yeah. is? Just a parenting thing, or what do you think? It's.
0: I, I think so. There was probably more parental supervision on set, or something. So it was something that you know kept them on the straight and narrow, so they didn't become train wrecks. But then again, they also didn't work for Disney or Harvey Weinstein. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, well, Christina Ricci, she did uh, Casper. So that was a digital true. one. But I'm not yeah, true. And then she disappeared for a while. Yeah. So maybe that's possibly part of the reason. So I don't know. I mean, with all the. Fear cooking and and Epstein Island And all that stuff Who knows how many problems those children dealt with But at the same point Like they also Are so Unique as personalities With such internal drive That they're almost like a version of Lagatha from Vikings in a way They're souls They're not gonna like just fall apart They're gonna probably kick you in the dick For trying to touch them Yeah doesn't sound like anybody I would hang out with. No, no, it's no, Not like you know me at all. Um. <laughs> what do the five fingers say to the dick? Slap! Oh, did you pull down and go boom? Yeah, that hurts. Bye-bye. Okay. Boom! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you really can You know what works? Oh, it's amazing. It really does work. You just slap it and they go falling down. It's like, oh, look, you're not tall now. You're on the ground. <laughs> that's what happens when you know takedown methods and other stuff which is what I always encourage that's why in The Bedtime Killer I wrote it the way I did because I want women to know how to defend themselves I want them to know just like I do how to you know, do takedown methods how to take guns away from people how to take knives how to like get out of a chokehold what to do if you're being choked you can, by the way you turn your head to the side because it keeps your air passage open enough that you don't start panicking at the lack of, lack of oxygen so you can actually take them out most women are not trained until serious epic disasters. So that's not one of the reasons that the bedtime killer is re- uh, written. There's even a thing in the back of the book from um, an organization that the woman from the SCPU started to um, force states to start testing rape kits because they didn't think it was cost-effective enough until she started putting it into motion. So that's why it's in the back of that book to bring awareness to it.
1: Yeah, also, isn't it, like, don't they tell people that if if you're getting, tell ladies if they're getting raped, don't scream rape, yell fire, because people are more likely to come running if they hear fire. It's all bullshit.
0: It's all bullshit, though. It works with children. It doesn't work with grown adults. Everybody has the same mentality. Don't get involved. Don't bother. Yeah. We both know that we all know that I am not that person. I run towards those problems and usually make sure that those people are now hog-tied. <laughs> That's a no the answer is no consent is a real thing no is a full sentence <laughs> <laughs> my fingers oh, stick. <laughs> but yeah so that's one of the reasons I always um push that and that's why that's in the back of that book is my my try to start that
1: conversation and give women hope how do you feel about guns should people have them or no
0: I am pro guns except the problem is people usually stop listening after that My thing is, back in the 60s and 70s, people were taught to respect the weapon.
1: Yeah.
0: Then all of a sudden, it's hear them and not be taught how to handle it. So when children are given a knife, they're given a butter knife, they're taught how to use a butter knife, they're taught what happens if you hurt yourself with a frickin' butter knife, so that when you get a steak knife, you don't cut your frickin' finger off or somebody else. We're taught to respect that, and it needs to be the same way with guns in the aspect of, this is dangerous, this is how this works this is why you need to be able to respect it and understand that you can't just fuck with it and we don't have that in our society anymore and that's my major problem with it so would I like to have an entire arsenal of weapons? yes, if you have a problem with that I'm sorry, but that's why we're in the land of the free and we're all allowed to have an opinion we can agree to disagree which is why some people can buy guns if they want and other people can't but at the same point you get people that don't respect it or, you know, tripping out on all sorts of stuff, aren't taught how to handle it, and then use that as an excuse to go, you know, harm people. That's not the same thing. My major problem is we say, oh, you know, no guns, and then expect criminals to also listen. You're telling me criminals go, ah, oh, okay, that's no good. I won't do that. I'll just use a knife. No. So now, no matter what, you're going to be unarmed because the person breaking into your house has a gun, and you went, oh, well, I got taught those are bad, so oops. Like, I'm not, I'm not bringing a cannoli to a gunfight, okay? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how I am about it. It's one of those pro-choice, as I am with 99% of everything on this planet. It's, as long as, you know, I have a right to choose on mine, I have, I feel the same thing about you having a right to choose. Just don't force me to choose your way only because you said so. That's where I'm always with it. Um, but I think if we got back to a place of, like, respect, just like in a hot stove, you don't just go... Not tell them and just smash their hand on and burn the child to death. No. You know, look, this is hot. So the heat coming off, we show respect for, you know, fire and everything else that could be deadly, chemicals and everything else. Look, see, that has the crossbones on it. Don't treat that one, child. Yeah. You know? And we don't do that anymore with guns. We just say, oh, don't have them, don't keep them, don't allow bullets to be made, and look, everybody's safe. That's not true. The, the criminals will still find guns will still use guns, and then you'll still be defenseless because you're not taught how to take guns away from anybody, you're not taught how to handle it, or what to do in any of those situations. So you're always going to be left defenseless with only a mentality to protect you, and that's nonsense. That's where it bothers me.
1: Agreed. Uh, Who's your favorite grunge band from the 90s? Grunge band in the 90s does green game for Brian fall in that category or is that more punk kinda like a punk ska reggae type more I'm talking dreary melodic rock type grunge like Nirvana yeah like Nirvana Soundgarden Pearl Jam Alice in Chains okay so like Tool Alice in Chains well Tool's a little later I think but oh I don't know then so <laughs> yeah, you can go to if you want you can do
0: it I, I mean, it's corn. Tool, Alice and Chains, those are all good. Smashing
1: Pumpkins, is that, or even at that time, Smashing Pumpkins is that time, yes. Okay, what? I'm like e-
0: you were super specific.
1: What? I had to find a folder that had titles, it. I was like, "Grunge '90s, Grunge '90s." What did you say? You can say corn? I said you said you said corn earlier. Somebody said yes. Yeah, I said corn. <laughs> oh, I corn, motherfucker. I did say corn. Woo! Rammstein ain't yeah. no grungey <clears> though. <throat> Du Host. Du,
0: Host,
1: Mitch. du Yeah, those my... Yeah, well I watched How High, that's the only time I listen to that. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I hear Du Hast. Oh like I listened to it recently. What about um Man five
0: thousand isn't, right?
1: That's a different kind. Hey, you you um there's a secret you know that who the lead singer of Man five thousand, Spider, you know who his brother is, right? It's
0: Rob Zombie, yeah. right? Woo! Rob Zombie, it's his cousin. Oh, that's
1: yeah. the RZ. It's his brother, Rob Zombie. Holy shit. No they're, wonder. That's really cool. They're from Haverville, Massachusetts. They're well, big, shit, that's really cool. Fuck yeah, Uh um, That is awesome. You like that? Yeah. Now, in school... It, when you were in school as a child, when you were a little child in school, but, um... Did you ever write stories that the teachers would read and go, Ooh, um, you yeah. shouldn't be writing things these dark. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, always.
0: Um, well, like I had said, when I was like in first grade, I was already reading Edgar Allan Poe and that kind of stuff. And Grimm's fairy tales. I've even read some of those on my YouTube channel. And, uh, we automatically had to start doing like creative writing, short stories, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And I was also in first by first grade. I was already the kind of kid that was using like clear fishing line at the top of the stairs to like booby trap enemies. So my mind was already very scary, dark. So as a little kid, I was writing stories about like you know. <laughs> and then everybody got eaten by the <laughs> For dinner You know those kinds of things And there was always parent-teacher conferences About like concern about me And my mom would be like She just likes this stuff just, just <laughs> We'll try to get her not to do it in class But maybe stop calling on her to read it then yeah. <laughs> My mom was always awesome At protecting me like that She's like she did the assignment And you're unhappy that she read it out loud But you know who the child is Stop choosing her to read out loud
1: <laughs> no problem, um, so.
0: Yeah, so, you know, I actually used to have, not a diary, but, like, everybody used to have a diary, so I got one, and I couldn't be, like, dear diary for some reason, so I would just start writing, like, once upon a time, there was a girl, and then she stabbed everybody, and there was blood, and then God was happy, like, weird stuff, you know, but then I would show people, because I thought it would be fun to freak everybody out, not realizing that they thought, like, oh, no, this poor child, she needs therapy, instead of just, like, she misunderstood what happens when you freak out too many adults. Like, I just thought it was entertaining that they were like, oh no! Because it's like somebody who works at a haunt. Why, why does somebody work at a haunt? We love scaring people. I love that, oh my God, reaction. Yeah. You know? So, as a little kid, I would hide in, like, you know, clothing racks just to freak out random people. My mom would tell people we screwed her. All of a sudden, like, I would lift a shirt to stick a woman's arm until, like, my mom would be like, Laurie, come yeah. out of there. You're terrifying people. And I'm cackling because I'm like, look how scared she was. So doing that to a group of children who were picking on me because I was wearing saddle shoes and thought they were cool because I had never seen dust and what cool was, you know, it was like, oh, look, everybody's terrified of me. Ha ha, you made fun of my shoes. Now you gonna have nightmares. Oh, wait, wait, why are we talking with the counselor? <laughs> 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 I misunderstood. <laughs> yeah, so that's how that would happen. It was more like how much could I freak other people out? And then you know I would get like a lecture, and then I would write a really pretty story about a rainbow and a butterfly, and not get as good a grade. And I'm like, "This is the shit we're talking about, folks."
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember we used to write these books in school. It was like fourth grade, and I wrote this book that was called "The Camping Trip," and it was like a slasher movie where all like my friends went to, went camping, and we all got killed violently. And I like illustrated it and stuff, and. I look at it, I look at it nowadays, and I go, "They would have put me in a hospital for being like a future Columbine type kid." <laughs> if like they see if they seen this, and Mel, did you ever have anything like that? You ever do you know, drawings or, or stories in school that people would go, uh, "Let's have a talk about this girl here." I I didn't do any drawings
0: or write anything, but I always. Like, even at a young age, always had an Stephen King book in hand, even yeah. though, you know, supposedly my reading level wasn't that great. You know, I'm in second grade reading a Stephen King book, but, you know, my reading sucks. Whatever. <laughs> so, <you> know, <laughs> they, would, they would call conferences with my mom and dad and be like, you know, this isn't appropriate for her to be reading at her age. And my, you know, my parents would be like, hey, she's reading and that's what she likes to read. Why am I going to stop her? All right. Yeah. I, when I didn't like a teacher in middle school, I would draw on like okay, let's say they gave me a test and they had given me attitude. Shitty <laughs> to say, but I would literally draw them being hung and then hand the test in. And like you know, my that. mom's like, I'm like, what? I did art. I made art. I was bored. They're like, it's literally, your it's your home economics teacher being hung on your academic chest with a fuck you symbol. Um, <laughs> I was like, she was rude. I don't need to take I was test. playing, you we were playing with Man, Man.
1: That's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, I was hey.
0: playing Yeah, no, I, don't, I never bullshit it. I would always feel like, she was rude, so that's why she needed to have a wake-up call. Keep acting out, and you're gonna be hung. Uh, <laughs> I got out of that class quick. We <laughs> gotta take teachers. <laughs> I was a problem child. But I also got great grades for the most part. So, they were just, kind of had to deal with me since I never actually harmed anybody. It was just more like I have a weird, wicked mind. I like scaring people and just don't be rude to me and I'll do fine.
1: Like, <laughs> you think that you think how hard they are on things now with uh, situations like if a kid was to draw, draw that book, they'd, go in, they'd have to go talk to a psychologist. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? What do you think?
0: I think in a lot of cases it can be a good thing. My problem with a lot of the school psychology stuff or like with children is even I learned it because, you know, there was too many instances where they were like, we have to have our seat counselor because, like, you know, we can't take your word for it. Um, and if you said something to them, even if it was just a thought, now they're telling the adults. In my opinion, 95% of the time, it's not helping because you can't be truly honest. Hmm. So most of the time, none of these kids, just like I didn't, got any real help. Because we're not going to tell them what we were really thinking. We just discovered we can't trust you. Where all of a sudden now we're going to older kids instead going, hey, this is happening. They go, oh, that's how I handled it. We'll try that. Whether it's healthy or not, we're going to be more likely to ask a kid three years ahead of us than tell the counselor what's going on. Because in most cases, they're not going to do anything. The worst case scenario is they're going to show up with CPS, which makes it a thousand times worse. Because... If you take that kid out of the situation You put him in a foster home Where 95% of the time the, Those people are getting a paycheck They don't give a fuck about their kid And I'm basing it on how many kids I know That were in the foster system That I basically took care of Because that's how bad their home life was Then, you, Or they show up and can't quote unquote Find anything and leave that child To their own parents again Which is normally the problem so no matter what, the parents are not going to get any help. They're not going to admit to the situation in 95% of these cases, except now the child knows there's nobody they can go to, and now they have more of a help because, oh, you must have said something. So because it's almost a tadpole syndrome going on, until you get to an adult, in most cases, you don't get to have any kind of real help in those situations. You just discover nobody likes how you are. You can't be honest with anybody about how you are because all that's going to happen is you're going to be punished. So that's why I had so many kids throughout my life always come to me and go, hey, this is happening in my house, or this is going on, or this is going on, and I handled it versus them going to a counselor where a CPS will go, eh, it doesn't count enough. And, you know, so I think if that stuff could be changed to a certain way, more kids would be able to get help, especially if the parents are also willing to be like, hey, I need to work on how I handle such and such or such and such. But none of that happens. It's just, this child isn't acting like this, you know, the normal society child. So obviously they're bad. And now we're going to treat them all like shunned or this, that, and the other. Because it starts whispering. It's like wildfire. Oh, they wept the counselor. Okay. That made it worse. You're not giving us any techniques to help. So now all you know is everybody knows you're a problem child. You feel like a problem child. And usually it fucks that person up on a track for a very long time until some counselor when they're adults, goes hey guess what you're allowed to be different and you go wait that was never true for the last how many years of my life now we're saying that's allowed so there is a huge problem in there I think but at the same time I am so pro counselors talking it out you know finding somebody you trust because I've done that all my life that as long as you have somebody that will not tell your secrets like I won't Mm-hmm. Then you're fine, which is the only reason a lot of times people find like an ordained minister because of that theory of no matter what, even the court of law, they're not going to tell somebody where a psychiatrist can or a counselor can get forced.
1: It's weird, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys feel about it? Since I babbled,
1: Melissa, you can go. Oh, uh, I've
0: been in counseling for so many years that you know <laughs> it's kind of like second nature, but. A lot of times, like, counseling, it's just a... Uh, it, it depends on the person whether or not it's going to be something that's going to work to that individual because you have to have the right counselor even if feel comfortable to talk to them. But don't you feel that it only starts working once you're an adult? Like, when I was going to counselors as a kid, I didn't feel like I was making any progress. Where when I was an adult, I feel like I was finally able to start making progress. And I feel like that... Yeah, because you start, you got start understanding situation. as an adult it's easier to understand things a lot better and to see yeah. things in a different way than as opposed to being a child because you're growing you're still learning so it's like what's the problem like there's no problem with me i don't need to be here i don't want to be here whereas an adult you're ready to fix certain right little it. things and you know treat yourself right Oh, yeah. I mean, as an adult, I think no matter what, every single person should be working on healing their wounds, you know? You know, you and I have always talked about that. Clean up your side of the street so the whole world looks better, you know? Exactly. Because God knows we've had enough conversations, you know. You're like a a counselor to me at, at times with certain things, too. And it's like... And there's even random times that you'll just message me and be like, what's up? You good girl? And, uh-uh. you know... That's my counseling session, too, if I don't, you know, have a real one, like, like, a real actually, you know, shrinky-dink, like, but I'd rather talk to someone who knows me and kind of gets the idea instead of having to, you know, start from A and get all the way down to Z again.
1: Exactly, yeah. Uh, t- just talking is, I think, the key to it, you know, letting it out. Even if there was people out there listening that didn't have anybody that, w- that would... Don't have anybody to talk to. I bet even just saying it at, to uh, talking to a wall or a lamp. I think just speaking it out into the world. You know, your your thoughts is a healthy thing. You know, it's not a crazy thing. It's good. I you
0: know, mean, you know, I I send I send I fit in my life, and you know, a lot of that has been the cause of why I'm to this day. You know, still in counseling, and you know, it it does it does help it. Help! It does help you see things yeah. from a different perspective. Oh but yeah, to have an outsider perspective definitely makes a better difference. Yeah, because you can't. There's just certain things too. You won't. You don't want to tell your best friend or your family. So mm-hmm. to have that input from a different source. Is I always call it having Switzerland. As long as you got Switzerland, you're yeah. good. You got to have a neutral party yeah. to be able to yep. discuss it without feeling judgment and that's By the way, to anybody listening, if you need somebody to talk to about these problems, please. I literally do it for a living. You can look on my Healing with Loren page on Facebook. You can book time with me, and we can discuss whatever problems you need. I am Switzerland. I do not tell anybody what's going on with you. I do not judge you badly, and I try to help you find healthy ways to either think about it, change your thoughts, or change your patterns. Mel will attest to that. So don't feel that you're alone. There's a suicide prevention hotline that you can look up or you can book time with me and I will be there to help you. I even do 24-hour suicide watch prevention where I keep checking in with you to make sure you're on the right mind track so that you get through another night because we all get those problems. So if you're listening and you go, I can't talk to a wall, I need to be able to talk to somebody, my name is Loren Malloy. Look up Healing with Loren and book time with me. I will be there for you because we all need to be there for each other and if you need it, I'm there. And especially right now with the way this world is, it's nice to know that there are people out there who do care and who will talk to you and, you know, be supportive and not pass judgment because everybody's dealing with something right now. Absolutely, and you know, I'll check in and go, hey, how you doing? Because I feel it, because I'm an empath as well. I feel emotions and pain. I felt a friend of mine give birth across the country. Let's be quite clear. So when I all of a sudden check in, it's because something's going on with that person. And you know, Mel, that during this whole thing, I have been contacting hundreds upon hundreds of people all over the world going, hey, just check in and making sure that you're okay, that you're not going to tap out. And there's been over a hundred cases already where they're like, you just saved my ass. Okay, good. All right. That's all that matters. As long as you see that somebody's checking in, sometimes I even get it. You've checked in on me where you're like, oh, you want to keep quiet? You cool? Because we all get dark moments where we're wondering, is anybody even going to give it if I don't come up tomorrow? And then all of somebody checks in and goes, hey, how you be? And it's like, holy shit. Okay, I can make it again. And that's why we need it, you know? Yep. Yeah. And that's what I thats what I love about our little horror community. Like, we're all there for one another. Once we've all developed a bond with one another, it doesn't matter how long we all go without seeing one another. It's just like we know who we can reach out to. We know who we can't reach out to. And yep. it's, 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 no matter what the situation, even if it's not a beneficial situation, it's going to work out in the long run because there is somebody... Yeah. that's so true I don't know I don't know any other communities that actually are like that like ours and I don't mean like tooting your own horn but like the indie horror community really seems to be more like a tribe that wants to work together to succeed in a lot of cases you get some bougies you say it and don't walk it but yeah. for the most part it's truly <laughs> wonderful
1: yeah it's true
0: where on. Really? I mean, yeah. on, on social media can everybody find you and you know if, if you have like an hour to explain everything because you are everywhere <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah let me get the list hold on <laughs> so, um, you can find me on Instagram L o r e n underscore m o l l o y. You can find me on YouTube. Look up my name. L o r e n m o l l o y. I'm on Twitter. Look up my name. L o r e n m o l l o y. Can't help myself. Um, you can also find me um, on Facebook. Please look me up, and I have a bunch of different pages as well as my Yields page. Yields also has a page on Twitter as well as. On Instagram, just look up "Yield the Horror Movie," and I have all of my books and movies and pictures and more on my website and store, which is HappyHorror Store dot shopify dot com. And you can get autographed books, pictures, and more sent to your house from me to you.
1: Oh so my love,
0: it's been fantastic having you on our show tonight. We thank you for your time this evening, yes. and you know considering how sweltering it is today i know right uh, i'm so glad to have been on the show you guys are awesome you know i love you guys and we love yeah. you and we appreciate you on tonight so everybody yeah. this has been shock treatment with mel and Natty. we hope you all have a good night and take care of one another take care
1: mostly ghostly show mostly ghostly yeah talk paranormal stuff oh yeah oh yeah that sounds good we'll do some trivia or something oh yeah oh and we should